This is C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. And this week, we go behind the headlines to examine one of the looming issues facing parents, teachers, and students. Just what will back to school look like? Fairfax County, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., is one of the largest school districts in the country. An estimated 189,000 students from pre-K through 12th, with 24,000 employees working out of 198 schools and academic centers. President Trump is asking all schools to reopen full-time for in-person learning. Fairfax County has a more hybrid approach. Dr. Scott Brabrand is a superintendent, and he is our guest on The Weekly. Thank you very much for being with us. Well, thank you, Mr. Scully. At what point during this pandemic did you realize the start of school was not going to be business as usual? Well, the start of school, I mean, this pandemic has been an unprecedented situation for every every American, every really citizen of the world, certainly for every school superintendent. We had an abrupt closure in March. Um, we were waiting as the school year uh, ended, the, the past school year ended, for the guidance from the governor who closed schools for two weeks in March and then closed for the remainder of the year at the end of that month, we were waiting for his guidance and guidelines about how to reopen schools. And we received it in early June, and it was a phased approach. And on July 1, he declared that we were in phase three where we could reopen and have all students return, but with six-foot social distancing in effect wherever possible, along with some additional guidelines. So we've been working on plans uh, that allow for that, uh, but we've also allowed for community choice. And we just finished our deadline earlier this week on Wednesday asking our community whether they preferred a virtual uh, option or whether they preferred in person. And we had about 60 percent say they would like to be in person and about 40 percent that would like to be virtual. What impact will all of this have on sports moving into the fall? Well, we're waiting in in Virginia. We work with the Virginia High School League, which is its own independent association that guides uh, Virginia sports. They have presented earlier this week three options for sports. One option is to delay all sports schedules until December and have shorter fall, winter, and spring. It's really almost a late fall, early uh, early winter, late winter, spring, uh, three-sports season. Another is to flip spring sports and fall sports and have spring sports done now in the fall and fall sports uh, in the spring. And then the last one is to allow cross-country and golf to begin and and then uh, postpone other sports. And they'll be deciding next week which of the three approaches uh, Virginia schools will be asked to take. As you indicated, uh, classes ended abruptly in March, then moved into online learning. There was a bit of a hiccup early on in Fairfax County. What's the lesson from that? Well, our lesson learned there, the, 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 the hiccup was mostly about the preparation of our teachers to prepare and provide a secure link for students. We had security issues the very first few days, and it was because we did not create a secure link. And we have revised our professional development. We're going to have a lot of additional time to work with teachers on uh, face-to-face distance learning, which is distance learning through a web conferencing tool. And we use Blackboard Collaborate Ultra and Google as ways to link to students face-to-face. So teachers are going to get more time to be 
given professional development, and they've been able to spend the last three months of the school year doing that work. They Many of them had never really been online before with a video conferencing tool. They've learned a lot more about the pace of instruction, what works well in a classroom virtually, what doesn't, and we'll be providing a lot more professional development to prepare them for the fall um, as we return to school. Have you given any thought to the long-term impact this is going to have on elementary and secondary students moving ahead this year? Some say it might be viewed as a lost year academically. I am worried, and we all uh, watch the news every day, and these plans that I have provided uh, are as updated as they can based on our national, state, and most importantly, our local health conditions. Um, We did have a number of folks uh, choose the virtual option. Many folks, of course, want to be in person because we all know there's no substitute for face-to-face in-person instruction between a teacher and a student. And some of our students require that in-person. Some of our special needs kids are English language learners, kids that have conditions at home that really school is the lifeline for them to be in a school building and with a community of educators. So I am worried about the ultimate impact of COVID if uh, we continue to have to be online or if we have to delay in person for it being a kind of lost year for kids. We, we, we had a lost spring and it is troubling to consider the possibility of a lost academic year. Our kids have fallen behind And uh, they've fallen behind all over America, of course. It's not just in Fairfax. And how how do we, we as a nation, closed our schools for the great part? We did it independently, state to state. But now we're in the great debate about how we reopen and if we're reopening and what are the conditions where people feel confident that we can uh, come forward. COVID isn't in the school. COVID is in our communities. It's in our country. And how do we live with COVID? And as part of living with COVID, having schools open for face-to-face instruction. That is the debate going on right now in every part of the country. And it's taking place under the different political contexts, under different health conditions, um, under different uh, staffing uh, challenges, and uh, we're, we're, we're doing the same thing here in Fairfax. We've provided the community a choice, and uh, we're working to move forward on both those options of both virtual and in-person. And Dr. Braybrand, school will start on September the 8th, two weeks later than normal. Do you have any concern that you would open the schools only to be forced to shut them down later in the fall? I think that is a possibility. We've been asked that by the school board in our community. We're going to train our teachers that are doing in-person to be able to pivot to do virtual at a moment's notice. We're going to practice the links with the teachers, practice the links with the teachers and kids um, so that we can make that switch if we need to. Um, That is one of the questions, and uh, we are working to prepare for it. As you know, you're getting a lot of pressure from the Trump administration. This is what the White House press secretary said about schools and what the president wants to see happen. You talked about earlier with school districts, but we're seeing more school districts, at least in Virginia, for example, last night, 
deciding to go online only. What does the president say to parents out there who are now going, okay, what do I do with my kids? Yeah, the president has said um, unmistakably that he wants schools to open. And I was just in the Oval talking to him about that. And when he says open, he means open and full, kids being able to attend each and every day at their school. Uh, the science should not stand in the way of this. Uh, and as Dr. Scott Atlas said, I thought this was a good quote. Of course we can do it. Everyone else in the Western world, our peer nations, are doing it. We are the outlier here. Uh, the science is very clear on this, uh, that, you know, for instance, you look at the JAMA pediatric study of 46 pediatric hospitals in North America that said the risk of critical illness from COVID is far less for children than that of seasonal flu. The science is on our side here, and we encourage for localities and states to just simply follow the science, open our schools. It's very damaging to our children. That from Kaylee McNaney, who is the White House press secretary, and we're talking to the superintendent of the 10th largest school district in the country. When you hear that, when she says science should not stand in the way What is your reaction? Well, I would have two points to that. First, the science and guidelines say if you're going to do in-person, that you need to do it with six-foot social distancing. And so I've shared this already publicly uh, to our community and to a national audience. You simply can't fit every kid in school with six-foot social distancing. That's just the simple fact. And that's following the science of capacity. So we have to take the science advice of the medical community and match that with the facility constraints. We are five Pentagons here in Fairfax County in terms of our footprint. And I don't have another five Pentagons handy to put every kid back in school. That's point one. I think the other point And this is part of the public policy challenge and why our leaders need to be very careful to help uh, give messages of assurance, for example, that the health data for our kids is very uh, good compared to other groups with COVID-19. Transmission rates uh, for kids are very low. However, It's not just the kids, it's the adults that teach them. And we have many in our teaching force, many of our support employees, our bus drivers, custodians that are in those at-risk groups. And so it's not just about transmission uh, and impact on kids, it's also about the adults that serve them. And they have rightful concerns that we need to be addressing. I did a town hall just a week or two ago for our staff They all love kids, they all love teaching, they all wanna do their jobs, but they want to do their jobs in a safe environment. And that's as as much as part of the American uh, dream is to have our kids educated, but it's also to make sure that our uh, folks that are educating them can do it in a safe and secure environment. And so it's balancing that. The uh, The science is saying, yes, kids are the least impacted, But we also need to think about the adults in those uh, schools and classrooms that are teaching them and those impacts. And we have to have strategies in place to mitigate health impacts. And some of the issue remains testing. Even here in Fairfax, folks want to get to where there can be instant testing of a kid. We're going to have isolation rooms in our schools for a kid that may come with symptoms that get referred down immediately to an isolation room. But... Right now, in our local area, testing can uh, range from five to seven days. 
That's a lot of time waiting on a test as we continue school. And so those are the kind of questions our community are asking, and it's reasonable to say, well, what more can we do to tighten up that testing timeline um, so that um, we really are keeping and monitoring uh, COVID in our schools and community to the greatest extent possible? Let me remind our listeners that we are talking with Dr. Scott Braybrand. He is the superintendent of the Fairfax County, Virginia School District. And to go back to your earlier point, this is what the superintendent of the L.A. School District, which is beginning online classes only, Austin Butner, on the point that you made earlier about interaction between students and others. Reopening schools will significantly increase the interaction between children and adults from different families. A 10-year-old student might have a 30-year-old teacher, a 50-year-old bus driver, or live with a 70-year-old grandmother. All need to be protected. So what's your message to the president? Well, you know, my message as Fairfax superintendent is focused on my message to our Fairfax community and our teachers and uh, our parents and kids. I don't have a message for the president. I think uh, the message is we need to listen to our health officials. We need to listen to all of our stakeholders that are a part of schools, and we need to reopen school in a responsible way. And we need to help people understand what um, what the trigger points are for risk in our communities. I do agree with the LA superintendent that that reopening school mixes a lot of people together. What are the risks associated with each of those people? We have already, as part of our work, identified those staff through CDC guidelines that are high risk, and they will not be asked to meet in person. So we obviously need to keep that in mind as we reopen school, and uh, we need to continue to follow the health containment and mitigation strategies that are CDC and Virginia Department of Health and local Fairfax County Health Department officials have provided us. You know, one of the things that uh, our local health department has said as we frame this is trying to look at the issue of reopening schools as a dial. How do you slowly turn up reopening versus a switch? Schools can reopen in person or they can't. So how do we create stages of reopening? Um, And our stage of reopening right now is to provide two days in-person instruction. But this is the debate. We're really talking about the amount of risk we can tolerate in our society when it comes to reopening schools. And um, that is the challenge that we're facing as a part of uh, every school district and every superintendent and school board's conversation right now. And before becoming a school superintendent, you were a teacher and a principal. What do you tell teachers moving ahead into the fall? What do you think they should be prepared for as students return to the classroom or through virtual learning? Well, I think they need to be prepared to be flexible. Um, It's going to be, whether you're virtual or in-person, it's going to be uh, a set of new skills that we haven't asked teachers to do for an entire year ever. Um, We have to anticipate COVID is going to be with us throughout this school academic year. I don't think um, even if we have a vaccine that it's going to be immediately available to everyone. And even Dr. Fauci has said the first vaccines may only be 60 to 70 percent effective. That's the data that I I heard him share. And I, 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 again, rely on the medical experts. 
So our teachers need to be flexible. Our teachers need to be hopeful that our kids do need adults in their lives to give them new learning, to give them new experiences, whether it's virtual or in person. Now more than ever, the, the relationship between our young people in this country uh, and our teachers has to happen. Uh, even for our virtual kids, this cannot be that law school year. We, we, we need to figure out how we provide the joy of learning, the joy of teaching to kids, whether we're in person or virtual. And we've got to maintain joy even through these tough times because we are raising a nation of young people this is their moment of education, and we've got to provide education for them in one form or another that inspires them, that prepares them to be resilient for moments just like the moment we're facing. From your standpoint, do you think this is a transformational moment in terms of public school education? Do you think that this will change public schools moving ahead? I do. I do. One, I think it's a transformational moment. We have to return to say that public school education is part of the American dream. It's the promise of the American dream and COVID-19 cannot stop public education from moving forward. It may be virtual. It may be virtual and in person. It may be in person all, and all of us want to get to that, but public education is the fundamental lever in which we've been able to help, uh, each generation realized the American dream, and we cannot turn our backs on our kids. We have to figure out how in this moment we continue to do everything we can to give kids the best education we can uh, to as many kids as we can. And uh, that's going to remain my goal, regardless of the final, uh, the final approach that we have this school year for each group of kids. We're going to maximize as much as possible the educational opportunities for them, whether they're at home, in their own home, or in a Fairfax County classroom. This is C-SPAN's The Weekly, and we're talking with Dr. Scott Braybrand, now in his third year as the superintendent of Fairfax County, Virginia Public Schools. I know you have been asked to comment previously on the comments by the Education Secretary, Betsy DeVos, but in case our listeners missed it, this is what she said about a week ago, referring to your school district, and then we'll get your response. And then uh, we see as we talk about reopening schools, uh, there are some creating false paradigms for the fall. And here, right in our neighborhood, the D.C. area, Fairfax County, which is one of the most well-funded, I would call it an elite public school system in America, um, offered families a so-called choice for this fall, either zero days in school for their students or two days. And their springtime uh, attempt at distance learning was a disaster. But I have to I, I give this as an example because things like this cannot happen again in the fall. It would fail America's students, and it would fail taxpayers who pay high taxes for their education. Ultimately, it's not a matter of if schools should reopen. It's simply a matter of how. They must fully open, and they must be fully operational. And how that happens is best left to education and community leaders. Dr. Brabrand, first, did you expect to get such national exposure from the Trump administration and from the education secretary in particular? It wasn't on my calendar for that week. (laughs) I would tell you that. Um, Do you consider Fairfax County an elite school district? 
we absolutely are an elite school district and people are looking at us for guidance. People are looking at us for leadership and we are leading by following the guidance of our national state and local health officials. It just simply isn't the case that you can maintain six foot social distancing and open a school at full capacity. I think honestly, that argument has been broached, it's been raised, it's been discussed, and it's been settled that school superintendents cannot reopen fully in person and maintain six-foot social distancing. So um, I, I appreciate that the issue was raised. Uh, it is not a true statement for schools here in Fairfax County Public Schools, and I believe in schools across the country. I do agree that public education is paramount, that kids need to continue to get a great education, and however we provide it, if it's uh, in person for a few days a week with followed-up uh, additional supports after those in-person days or a fully virtual option, that it's the very best option. Education must continue. We are doing new instruction this year. We are doing fully graded instruction this year. Um, we did have some lessons learned, and we struggled for two weeks, but we soared for two months for the remainder of our fourth quarter, and we're going to apply those lessons learned for return to school in the fall. And as you look at neighboring counties for our national audience, uh, Arlington County to the north of you and Prince William County to the south of you, a different approach in returning to school. So what will you be looking at from those school districts and what you're doing in Fairfax County? Well, those two districts just in the last few days are really, as I see it, delaying their in-person. Um, they're not saying that in-person isn't going to happen this school year. They're just wanting to take a little bit more time um, and look at the health data and, and work to get teachers and parents and students prepared for in-person. So I respect that point of view. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue uh, to uh, work to make our return to school as safe as possible and as impactful as possible for creating a great educational experience for our kids. Two final points. First, for you personally, what has been the biggest learning curve? It's hard to get your message out when there are multiple messages coming from multiple places saying multiple different things. And I think the lack of a national, clear, concise message about what COVID is and what is not, about what school opening looks like and what it does not, in terms of the guidance, has clouded uh, people's understanding of whether schools are doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And for you personally, your own background, you have been superintendent for the last three years. Uh, you spent a lot of time in Virginia. What is your background? Uh, well, I'm a native Virginian. I was raised in Tidewater. I came up here to the D.C. area at, at Georgetown to study to be a diplomat, which has come in handy uh, during <laughs> COVID-19. Uh, and then I was here for almost uh, 18 years and left for five years to be superintendent in Lynchburg, Virginia, still in the Commonwealth of Virginia, in a smaller school district before returning here. And uh, I'm a proud Virginian. Uh, I'm proud of our, uh, our Commonwealth. I'm proud of our governor. Uh, he's the nation's only doctor, and he is doing the best he can in a very trying circumstance. We all want to do the best for our citizens, our residents, our parents, our teachers, and yes, our students. And uh, I'm gonna continue to work closely with the state 
and with Fairfax County officials and our local school board and do the best for kids today, next week, next month, this school year, next school year. And we're going to continue to be uh, an elite school district um, that people seek out for guidance. And this is a time where we, we ask for the collective wisdom of our community and the collective grace for our community because we know it is a moment of, of great debate and anxiety about returning and reopening schools. And I have to appreciate that, and I do appreciate that. And we're going to continue to do our best to uh, share our plans, take feedback, and monitor and adjust as we need to. And, of course, the science and the vaccine will determine when things return to normal. From your standpoint, looking at this, what is your hope? What is your own expectation? I really, I I hope, listen, I'm like all of you, I turn on the news and I hope Dr. Fauci has information that a vaccine's available this fall and that we can administer it widely by the end of the semester. I'd like 2021 to be not only a new year, but a year where COVID is really minimized and becomes another of the many other infectious diseases that exist, like the flu or measles but that we have the vaccinations in place to support our kids and teachers to be fully in person in school. So I am hopeful for 2021. The superintendent of the Fairfax County Public School District, Dr. Scott Braybrand, joining us in Fairfax, Virginia. We thank you for being with us. No, thank you and have a great day. And a reminder, you can check out all of our podcasts at cspan.org slash podcast. Also on social media, be sure to follow us on Twitter at cspanradio. I'm Steve Scully. In Washington, we thank you for listening.